Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs, Jr. Hello, I'm Jerry. Welcome to episode 12. Today's focus is Father Jeffrey Jambal, 11 Crucial Relationship Questions Solved, Part 2. So, sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court. And we're Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh. Divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day. While helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. This is episode 12. Bam! Now it's time for the quote of the day. So let's do this. Quote, that nations, hearts, and homes may learn that love does not so much mean to give oneself to another as for both lovers to give themselves to that passionless passion, which is God, end quote. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, three, to get married. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. Now it's time for our next segment, Catholic Alpha's Radical Rant of the Day. The Cowardice of Men, the Top 21 Reasons Men Have Caused the 2018 Scandal in the Catholic Church and Why We're Not Going to Take It Anymore. But before I start, as usual, this will be a 21-episode series, one per show. We are now up to... Number 12. Also, understand that the infiltration by the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism, plus the watering down of the faith and the stripping away of the Latin Mass, was planned in order to, one, destroy the morality of those within the church, priests and laity, and is not the teaching of the Catholic faith. Why was this done? One, to destroy the American family. Two, to destroy our morality 
and destroy our patriotism in order that we become susceptible to communism and its ideas. If you want more on this, please refer back to episode number two, where I discuss more about how communism is was trying to infiltrate our country and how well it kind of has and how we um, have decided that we are not going to take it and how it's time for us to begin fighting back as men. Also, many people, because of these kind of things, the scandal and things like that, um, they wanted to leave, they want to leave the Catholic Church. And I'm here to tell you that is ignorance. That's a mistake. You don't leave Christ. You know, you stay here and you fight and you do your best to do what it takes to be the man that God's calling you to be. You don't leave Christ because something because of what evil men do. Okay, and that's what happened. That's what's happening right now. So let's get started with number 12 of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 crisis in the Catholic Church. But first, let's review our uh, first 11. So number one, which was the the first uh, Catholic Alpha Radical was the refusal of men to accept our role as men. Number two was allowed the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons, to water down, which is dilute the teachings of the Catholic faith. Number three, we didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. Number four, an unwillingness to sacrifice for Christ. Number five, they have nothing they are willing to die for. We as men have nothing we are willing to die for. Number six, we have begun raising soft and selfish boys, a.k.a. wusses. Number seven, we don't understand our mission and purpose as men, which is to protect, defend, and serve God, marriage, our wives, children, society at large. Number eight, we didn't crush feminism. Number nine, we didn't crush the Protestant revolt. Number 10, we didn't crush contraception, a.k.a. birth control. And number 11, we didn't crush abortion. So, before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's testimony so that you as a man can understand the gravity of this situation and move to destroy and speak out against it in our, in our government, in our environment, our marriage, your family, your work and society at large. We must begin to speak about this stuff and understand how it works, understand our faith, what's happened, why this is happening. Why is morality declining in our society? Why has it declined? <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so it's important that we understand that we can no longer accept the, how should I say it? The demoralizing of the laity, of the people, of the people of Christ's children in the Catholic Church. We as men, we have to take back control and understand no longer can we except the low standards that we're given, okay? So that's why I want you to understand, that's why I'm reading this, like a lot of the testimony of the um, of what's going on in this, um, in Archbishop Vigano's testimony, so that you can hear it for yourself. Matter of fact, in the show notes, I want you to go and read it so that you 
can know for yourself. Read it's 11 pages. Plus, there's another document. It's two of them. I think now my wife told me it's three. So Archbishop Vigano is really letting it all hang out. And he's being a hero. Because right now today, we do need somebody as men that we can follow. Somebody that we can look to to lead us. And it took a leader in the faith to really get down to business, to really grind it out and to decide that he's not going to be, he's going to take it. He's not going to be selfish. He's going to be himself and he's going to stand up and be the man and have courage. Okay. And this is what we have to start doing. Stop worrying about what all are, what everybody else is thinking. Matter of fact, today I was listening to this other podcast where this dude was on there and he's a, uh, he's a black Catholic and he was talking about how, you know, when we do, we speak out, you know, like in podcasts and blogs and, or just, you know, in our jobs or in our families or whatever, that we have to stop worrying about what everybody thinks, that we have a voice. And the voice doesn't have to be as strong as like mine because I'm very passionate about what I do. It could be a low voice as much as, you know, not letting people speak out against the truth, let people speak out against the truth and to uphold the truth. You know, um, and we must and, and he was saying that we have to, you know, not worry about what people think, because people are going to be who they are. They're going to they're influenced by demons. They're influenced by their own agenda. They're influenced by their own ego and their pride. And what we need to do as men is we have to bring out the truth of Christ. And that's the real truth. OK. Um. So um. I also place, like I always say, I also place the link to the um, original document and the show notes. So what I want to do now is read the next quote in show number 12. Quote, this is about Cardinal McCarrick and Archbishop uh, Maria Vigano and what he's saying about McCarrick and the things he's done. Quote, it is absolutely unthinkable. That Nunzio Sambi, who was an extremely responsible person, loyal, direct, and explicit in his way of being a true son of Romagana, did not speak to him about it. In any case, I myself brought up the subject with Cardinal Whirl on several occasions, and I certainly didn't need to go into detail because it was immediately clear to me that he was fully aware of it. I also remember in particular that the fact that I had to draw his attention to it because I realized that in an archdiocesan publication on the back cover and color, there was an announcement inviting young men who bought, I'm sorry, who thought they had a vocation to the priesthood to a meeting with Cardinal McCarrick. I immediately phone Cardinal World, who expressed in his surprise to me, telling me he knew nothing about that announcement and thought, I mean, and that he would cancel it. If, as he now continues to state, he knew nothing of the abuse, the abuses committed by McCarrick and the reason taken by Pope Benedict had can how can his answer be explained? His recent statements that he knew nothing about it, even though at first he cunningly referred to compensation for the two victims, are absolutely laughable. The Cardinal lies shamelessly 
and prevails upon his chancellor, Monsignor Antocelli, to lie as well. End quote. Now, look, this man is really, as I keep saying, he's putting himself out there. He's giving you detail by detail, story by story, meeting by meeting, letter by letter. He's giving you detailed stories of accurate documents of what he's kept on a diary. I'm sure it's a diary somewhere. And what we have to realize is that, honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this man's telling the truth. And I just think that it's time that men, we get off our butts and we start fighting back. We start holding priests and bishops responsible. You know, pull them out of them buildings, getting, you know, talk to them, you know, send them letters. Um, also, I'm just going to be real, man. Take their money. That's what, that's what, that's what the, uh, are these, um, um, attorney generals are doing. They're taking their money. And that's the only way, you know, I look at, it used to be you would look at bishops and stuff and cardinals and, and the Pope as a politicians, but they're acting like politicians. So you treat them like politicians. And how you defeat politicians? One, you get them out of office. Well, you can't make a pope resign. You can't make a cardinal resign or a bishop, okay? It's too much. They have the power. That's the way Christ set it up. So that's the way it is, okay? Number two, what do you do? You can't take their power. You do what? You take their money. And we can do that. But that's going to take all of us to work together. And I'm not trying to be vengeful I'm not trying to be mean or I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be obedient to God. What I'm trying to say is when people start taking advantage of, of, of us people that are, that love Christ, that are the laity, that are trying to do right by, by God, there are only a few ways you can fight back and to get them to start listening. And the only way you get them to start listening is these dudes is you got to take their money. And I didn't like it at first. But I'm starting to come around, you know, um, and I'm sorry, man. You know, I give money to the church every I give my you know, I give money to the church every every month. And when people are not preaching the word of God, the way Christ is asking in the Gospels, the way people are are um, giving away, you know, they're um, they're they're supporting these charities that are that are dealing with that are OK with abortion and. Um, and other, you know, contraception and other, you know, evil things in the church that Christ is definitely against. We as men have to, you know, start fighting back and taking away their, their trinkets. And what are their trinkets? Money and power. Okay. So moving on. Um, why would men cover this up? Well, they covered up because they lost their faith and they have lost their trust in God, the father. And that's why, you know, Cardinal World covered it up. That's why a lot of these cardinals and bishops cover stuff up. I don't really think that these men are or I'm not going to say bad men because they kind of are. If you're not, you know, um, they kind of are bad men. But, you know, I think they really believe that what they're doing is right. But the problem is they're not because they're not praying. They're not getting guidance from the Lord. And when you stop seeking guidance from God, you start doing what? You start doing your own thing. And you start doing your own thing, you are flawed. Okay? And I just feel sorry for the church, man. 
I just really do. And I, I'm, I mean, it, it hurts me, man. And I'm not the only one, you know, and like today, you know, like my wife told me a couple of days ago, one of our friends, you know, she passed away. I mean, all she had was a surgery. She's, I think, I think she was in her seventies. Um, and she passed away. She had a, a hip surgery and she passed away and she left behind four children and she left it behind her husband. And one thing that impressed me about her is that she worked at a university and you know how these universities are, man. They try to indoctrinate you. They try to make you, um, you know, you know, be liberal and do their way and, and this, and, and, um, disassociate, disassociate yourself with God, disassociate yourself with Christ and the faith and the church. But she was strong. She went there every day for a lot of years. And a lot of her students would come up to her and try to talk to her about God and stuff. And she would. She was Catholic. And the other day, our priest went and gave her her final rites, gave her confession. And that's why you need confession, because you're going before God and you have all this stuff on your soul. And if you don't get rid of it, you're going to be judged by it. If you don't ask for forgiveness the way God wants you to, you're going to be judged by it. And you have to respect a woman like that. Her and her husband, you know, they are solid Catholics. They love Christ. They went to confession, you know, and they did a lot of suffering in their lives. But you know what? I've thought a lot of over the last two or three days about her and I've been saddened. You know, she died early. And some of you young people, you think, oh, well, 70 years old, that's pretty, you know, no, it's not, man. 70 is really, these days is not that old, man. It's really not. And, you know, I, I, I just feel bad about her and how she died and all of a sudden and you know you talk you just talked to a person a few days before you know I remember a couple of weeks ago she was just telling my wife (laughs) how my wife looks so vibrant you know and I wasn't really standing there I was walking by and my wife was like I do and you know she was her and another friend was telling my wife that and man I thought I was, you know, that made me feel a little pride that my wife was looked beautiful and she looked vibrant and happy. And now she's gone. And I I miss her already because I would see I would see Sharon every Sunday, you know, and I'd always ask her about my friend Mark and how he's doing. You know, Mark's a hardcore brother. And now I can't ask her about that anymore. And over the last few days, it's made me really think about my life as I always do about my own mortality. And, you know, I'm 52, or maybe 53 in May. And, you know, that's what I try to get across for you brothers all the time, man. This life is short, dude. You know, you're 20 right now, but man, you could die tomorrow. You know, but you probably won't. But you know, you could, and not just that, you know, that 30 years, it goes quick, dude. You 20 today and you 50 tomorrow. I mean, it seems like that quick, you know, two marriages and five kids. My first wife, she died of leukemia. And look, I mean, I'm, that was, I was in my late, I was in my what middle thirties when that happened. I mean, 
we think we have all this time, dude, but we don't. And if that's why the saints and the gospels and Christ always tells us to reflect on our mortality. Why? Because it's not promised. This suffering on earth is not, uh, not a given. Okay. So I just wanted to bring, you know, give a little tribute to Sharon because I loved her and my wife loved her and they were friends. And, you know, <clears throat> when you have someone who loves Christ like she did, man, it's it's great being around people like that, you know, that feel the same way you do, that have the same mission you do. And her and her husband did. Um, so moving on. So I realize these top 21 reasons are in no certain order as they all feed upon one another. So what is the number 12 reason men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church? And number 12, drum roll. We didn't crush same-sex marriage. Ooh, another one. Boy, I'm hitting them hard these last few, baby. I'm hitting them hard. That's right. So my question is, why is God displeased with same-sex attraction? Is it because God's a bigot? Is it because he is so-called homophobic? Is it because he doesn't understand the suffering of the cross of this cross carried by as much as one to two percent of the population. Is it because he hates the human beings that suffer from this unforgiving cross? Of course not, man. It's because our creator knows the misery, shame, guilt and damage to souls. This lifestyle thrust upon the men who participate. Look, true happiness can never come from this act. Just as pure and fulfilled happiness can never come from heterosexuals who choose to indulge in their sexual passions outside of marriage. See, people think <clears throat> the church is against homosexuals, the human person. No, we're against the act. Why? Because we know that it causes misery and shame and guilt. We know that. We know that it causes misery, man. Just as when heterosexuals when a man goes out and has sex with a woman, he, he uses up her beauty, her vitality. And he doesn't marry her or he uses her like a utensil or eating fork. We know as Christians that, man, this is bad for her soul. This is bad for her, her psychology, her psychological well-being, her emotional well-being. And this is the same thing that happens with men who engage in, in homosexuality. Please, if you go and really pull a man, look, dude, <laughs> I don't talk from this from I don't talk from this from ignorance. OK, I talk from this because I've spoken to men that I've never come across to a, a homosexual man that was really happy. That was like, oh, man, yeah, this is great stuff. If you talk to a man, if you really there, you know, you talk to him, they'll tell you, man, they'll tell you they wouldn't wish this lifestyle up on anybody. OK. Why? Because they know it's not good for the soul. They know that. But what do they do? Everybody, you know, just like black people who who hold their race above their faith in Christ. OK, you know, I'm black before I'm a Christian. What does that do? That leads to nowhere. Everybody's race is against me. Everybody, I'm the victim, you know, but it's, it's a no win situation, dude. 
It's a no-win situation. Everybody toes the line, but the line gets cut, okay? And it's time that we start standing up and telling the truth. Everybody in this country, you know, and, and I've been to other countries too, and, and, you know, they're the same as somewhat, but, you know, I'm mainly in America. I've been in America for, you know, most of my life. And I'm going to tell you what, man, we all perpetrators, dude. We all act like we're so happy and everything's so great. We watch television and these movies and everything, everything tries to, right, tries to tell us how happy they are. And these movies, everybody's so happy and everybody's so, they feel so good. And we all, and, and deep down, we know it's a lie. We really do, man. We know it's a lie. Nobody's happy. Nobody's fulfilled. Why? Because of, because of egotism. Egoism, I'll say, because of selfishness. We can't survive in our marriages. We can't survive in our regular relationship as a boyfriend and girlfriend. We can't get along with our kids. Our kids hate us. You know, we can't get along with them. We can't get along at work. Nobody tells the truth about anything. Everybody lies about everything. Why? Because God's not around. Nobody is men or women. No one knows their purpose, man. They don't know why they're here. Everybody's floundering to find their true meaning in life. And so this is the problem we have. And that's why homosexuals are miserable. They ain't tell you that, but they are. Why? Because of the guilt and the shame in their souls, man. They're not happy. You know, it's a miserable life, dude. That's why they tried so hard for same-sex marriage because they thought that if I can get married, that'll make me feel better. That'll make me feel part of the crowd. But it didn't, did it? No, it didn't. You know, just like when women have sex outside of marriage with women that they're not married to, they think it's going to make them feel better, but it don't. They end up feeling used. They end up feeling abused. They end up feeling like they're not loved, like they're not cherished, like they should be, like they're not on pedestals. Because men that have sex outside of marriage with women don't really love them. They pretend to love them. They think they do, but they really don't. Why? They're not protecting the women. Okay? And just like men who engage in homosexual acts, it's not that the church hates you or doesn't want anything to do with you, is that we understand what you're doing. We understand how you feel. We understand that you're looking for love. You've been damaged in your life. You've been damaged from your father or your mother, or you've been taken advantage of, or you've been abused. You've been turned out. We call in the hood. You've been turned out. Look, man, I know all about it, dude. You know, I know how it is. You know, but what do you do? You, you try to find happiness in things that you can't. You try to find happiness on this earth, which this earth is your heart. Like Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen says, your heart is made for the infinite. And who is the infinite? The infinite is God, brother. The infinite is God. And you can't. That's why this earth, you cannot find complete, total, fulfilling happiness and joy on this earth. Why? Because God holds something back from you, from us, from all of us. Because so if he didn't, we would think that everything that we experience is all there is. But there isn't. That's why no one is completely happy. We're all perpetrating. Okay. So just as pure and fulfilled happiness can never come from heterosexuals 
who choose to indulge in their sexual passion outside of marriage, the main issue with same-sex attraction is that it disrupts creation just as abortion and contraception do. Look, in my research, it seems that God only really intervenes in our sex lives when it interferes with our participation in the divine creation, which is a great gift from him. Sure, there are exceptions, but when it comes to the furthering of the human person, there is not much compromise. Why is this? Well, for one, if every man on the planet decided he wanted to be same-sex attracted, procreation would basically cease in its proper fashion. This seems like a common this seems like common sense, doesn't it? Also, we start having babies in petri dishes and trying to clone ourselves and try to do crazy things like placing babies inside of men. That's the problem with, with, with us. When we don't understand Christ and the Catholic Church and our faith as Christians, we start being influenced by the demons, the devil, and Satan. Okay? And what Satan does, he wants us to fail. He wants us to be where he is, which is where? In hell. We don't understand that we are being manipulated from the time we are at the age of reason, which is the age of seven in the Catholic Church. You got to know your faith, man. The age of reason reason is is seven. At that time, Christ really starts to, you know, put in place his influence upon us. And for the rest of our lives, we got to deal with temptation. Okay. And if you aren't praying, if we're not fighting it, if we're not, you know, being in front of the Blessed Sacrament, if we're not inside the Catholic Church, if we're not a Christian, we are really under the influence of Satan. And when I say Satan, man, I mean there is a supernatural being that's Satan, but he also has control over us because he's the prince of this realm. And so what we have to do is we have to search out God so that we can fight this battle daily. Um, also, moreover, this would harm the children and their perception of what true human beings are and their purpose. Also, as I've said in the past, men have responsibility to be the best, more example of a man that they are capable of being. And the standard is Christ, who was completely masculine, tough, aggressive, loving, strong, and sacrificing. And this is what has happened in the, 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 you know, the current church scandal. The men have completely forgotten that they have a responsibility to God, their creator, to be the best more examples of men that he created them to be and demand the same from other men. Look, man, here's the thing that's also an issue with homosexual men is that they they try to act like women. They lean over towards women and how they act, how they move, how they betray themselves. And what happens is boys, little boys, look at them, look up to them, and try to emulate them. Okay. So either you are trying to be a, ma- a true masculine, true man as Christ was, or you're trying to portray what women are and the opposite sex. And you can't do that. You have to decide, man. And this is called, you have to pick up your cross daily and follow Christ. That's what he asked of the apostles. And that's what he asked of us. We have to pick up our cross 
and be obedient and be what he's asking us to be. Why? Because this is the way to true happiness. This is the way to holiness. And if we are obedient, disobedient, and we do things our way, basically that's saying we think we're Christ. We think we're God. And there's never a true win in that. Also, the men have completely forgotten that they have a responsibility, like I said, to God. They're created to be the best moral examples of men. Not we can't not that basically not do what we want to do and do and be what we want to be. We have to do what God is asking us to be. And this, of course, requires great sacrifice. But doesn't every man in the world have a cross they must carry? This is what I've asked in other episodes, too. Why is it that same sex attracted men are exempt from carrying their cross as proper men do? You know, wonder if Christ would have refused to carry his cross. And and listen, I used to be over 300 pounds. I'm not that big now. But man, also alcoholics, also rapists, uh, serial killers, drug addicts. We're, you know, people who 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 screwed their families up, you know, people who overeat, um, people who. You know, um, uh, people who are, who are chronic criminals, we all have crosses that we must carry. We all must try our best to be the best moral examples of ourselves. Why? So that we are so that we are pleasing to God. Also, so that we set the best examples to our little ones, which are the children. Sure. There are people who want to be homosexual. They want to do what they want to do. They want they want to put themselves out there and be flamboyant and say, look, I don't care what anybody thinks, but we don't have to lie. Everybody cares what somebody thinks. Now, whether you do or not, sometimes that takes courage, but it takes more courage to go against what everybody expects you to do. And it's what you want to do. It takes courage to be the man that God is asking to be. And I know it's hard, man. I know it's hard. Believe me, we are, being homosexual is not the only cross in this world. And all of us men, we have things inside of us. We have our own demons and we all have to fight it. And sure, there are some demons and some crosses that are more, um, they're greater than others. But man, you have to fight it. You have to be the man that God's asking you to be. Why? Because this life is a test, man. And what we have to do is subdue our passions. We have to come across as people who are trying to be holy who are trying to set the best example we can for our boys, man. Remember, if you're if you're being if you're not being a man, you're being a wuss. Okay? Which means is you are not being the best man that you can be. And why? Because this life is a test. There's an eternity of there's an eternity that you have after that. And you have to decide. Sure. You decide you want to go to hell or you want to go to heaven. And man, there is the truth, man. There is the thing that, that those things are real. 
And what we have to understand is we are men. And our our job as men is to fight and battle every day against our passions, to control our emotions, to control ourselves. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. So, like I said, wonder if Christ would have would have refused to carry his cross. Where will we now be? Right now, the church is in crisis. It's been in crisis for the last 50 or 60 years since the 50s and 60s. And what have men done? We've sat by with our hands crossed in the pews and we don't fight for nothing. We sit back and allow people to do whatever. We say we're not going to judge anybody. That is the most bull crap ever I've heard. You have to judge the acts of people. You 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 judge a serial killer, don't you? You judge a rapist, don't you? You judge somebody that abuses a little boy, don't you? You have to judge the acts of men. We have to. Otherwise, the world would be in chaos, which is halfway there now. And if it was if Christ hadn't came and died for us and he was God, and he decided to come down and give himself totally and sacrifice himself for us lowly creatures. Wonder if he hadn't done that. Just think how worse it would be right now. So what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Send your questions to radical questions at catholicalpha.com. Send your questions or comments or show ideas to radical questions at catholicalpha.com. Again, please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on catholicalpha.com to get new episodes in your email today. Welcome to our next segment. Our next segment is Warrior Stories. Warrior Stories is our segment on ordained men who are fighting the spiritual battle in the Catholic Church every day through sacrificing their lives, bodies, hearts, and souls for our ultimate warrior, Christ. And today's warrior is Father Jeffrey Jambon of the Covington, Kentucky Diocese at Our Lady of Lords Parish. Father Jambon was ordained in December 21st, 2001 in Rome at St. Mary Majors. His current outreach is the Franciscan's Daughters of Mary's Soup Kitchen. He serves the Latin Mass exclusively. Bam! The Latin Mass is the bomb, everybody. I'm trying to tell you. I hope you enjoy part two of my interview with the never-boring Father Jeffrey Jambon. (music) 
in your experience with speaking with uh, married men and dealing uh, in marriage, what do you see are the top problems in marriage? Yes. I, the first thing I see is women nagging. <laughs> I, that's the, the, curse of, the curse of Eve, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they have to stop nagging their husbands. And then the second problem is that the men do not love their wives. They need to be loved. So you see, you see most men think that when I bring the wife or to, to be bride up the aisle, uh-huh. we're, I got her in a bag. She's done. <laughs> Stick a fork in her, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is with my experience of dealing with marriage preparation and so forth as a priest. And, you know, uh, what, what I see is that's totally different. You have to win your wife over every single day. Amen. Because that's, what, that's the way she's wired. She has to be nurtured. She has to be reaffirmed. Yes. And, and most men just forget about their wives um, or, or they just ignore them or whatever. And that's why problems get off. So it's a mutual thing. So first thing, the women – look, I ask that the women come tell me they're crying. Oh, my husband doesn't pay attention to me. My husband this, my husband that. They have a lot of problems. And I say, uh-huh. well, I ask, do you nag? And, <laughs> and most of them will say, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Now, there's a reason for me saying not to nag. So the woman, when she dedicates herself, even though she has to bite her lip and she has to kind of bite the dust and build her husband up, no matter what, just build her. Now, there to be some moments where she'll have to in private tell him this or that. She Sometimes she has to speak her mind, and that'll be good. There's moments where you have to speak your mind. Right. But in a general, especially when you have public ears listening – she has to build him up, especially around the children, around her friends. Yes. Build him up. And you'll be amazed because, you see, the way God wires us is that she's made to receive love, manifestations of love, while the man, he can go, he can forego love. He doesn't have to be loved. He's not out there to be loved. He's out there to be respected. Amen. Because he has the spirit of competition around his being, he has to provide for his family. He has to he has to be the provider and the protector. So he's in constant realm of in, in that respect. When he's respected by his woman, this brings the most chivalrous manifestations out of him, and he comes out and he will in turn, exactly. even though sub, even though subconsciously. He will be serving his woman, you know, his wife, and, and, and actually making her would be loved. And that's when the, the relationship gels. is a great harmony and unity between the two. Now you, you will always have some sort of an argument, some sort of a whatever. That's because we're just human beings. And there will be a little failings in these two things. But in general, if we do connect, if they'd be able to, to play their roles, mortify themselves, uh, f- sacrifice themselves, Lift up the other the way they need to be lifted up. You'll be amazed on the results um, that the men will start to respond and the woman will start to let nag less. <laughs> I completely agree. And that I, I say that all the time in this podcast and on my blog. And I, you would hope that men would start to, to see that and women will start to see that. Um, but we have to just keep praying for them, man. We really do. Um, next, what do you see today as the main issues with so-called dating? Okay, yes. There's a difference between dating and courting, of course. Yeah. 
Uh, you see, courting courting is a better idea because it has a whole um, it has a whole aspect of having your family involved, um, ha- oh. having the higher elements of each other involved. It's a more of a it's it's steeped in our our higher things of culture. So you, there's more chaperoning. There's more um, there's more respect. There's more boundaries. So that's now when you come to dating, this is more of a, a modern idea, and it, it it was invented around the invention of the car. Okay, okay, you gotta so, explain so, that one. <laughs> yeah, so so with the invention of the car, people can get around real quick, real easy, everywhere. Okay, so so now um, oh. you know uh, the the two the two love bugs just got together, and now they go off, and now they're less chaperoned. Uh, they could just go wherever they want, and then, of course, the whole uh, avalanche of of uh, immorality has hit our society. This becomes the dangers of of dating. You know, they're they're less chaperoned. They do whatever they want. They spend as much time as with it what they want with each other. No no boundaries, and they're getting themselves in trouble by just this thing of dating. But you can use whatever word you want. But these realities, you got to really be able to have them well done because it needs to be done um, because that's what's happening that the, the the relationship is not being tested because they get whatever they want right away right right so the, you need a certain testing and you gotta you gotta go to your higher faculties in order to implement this test and so you have to have this testing going on in order for you to prove that you earn the love of the woman or you earn that you ha- you will have this this man protecting you for the rest of your life. I think one of the things too is when when the boys and the girls started going to the same school instead yeah. of separate like they like they used to. Because I remember I'm not gonna lie, father. When I was in high school, man, I, we I'm having sex all in the everywhere, all in the school, outside the school. We you know we. And when because all day, what are we doing as boys? We're sitting there watching all these pretty, lovely beings walk around. And so I re- I remember. And then once I got older, I didn't even know when I was a kid that there were schools that had se- that were separated boys over here, girls over here. And Catholics wow. were the main ones that did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a symptom of a big problem about the faith and, and about our values and our culture for sure. So you did explain. So what are the main ways for a man and woman to be successful at courting? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want you to go a little bit more in depth. Because okay, first, well, okay yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, look, the, the thing in order to help them be successful, they have to have right out of the gate, they have to have these boundaries where, for example, for example first of all, don't live together before getting married. Shack up. Yeah, you can't shack up. So that's a big no-no. If you do that, that's like an impediment to your marriage. You, no priest should allow them to be shacked up together um, unless it's six months before. They have to be at least abstaining and separate for six months before the actual uh, marriage, for sure. So he has to train them in that. He has to demand that from them. What does shacking up do to the do to the woman? Well, it, it treats her like an object for sure. Now, many of them say, well, Father, we love each other, so we just uh, we have to try this out. 
But look, just look at the logic. If you have no commitment doing that, so what happens? Uh, you have no problem with that. Now, once you try to make this commitment before the altar, you've already proven that you are unfaithful uh, to the rules of nature and to our faith to begin with. So why not? You can be just going and going up against the rules later on if you're going to do it already uh, beforehand. You know, mm-hmm. so that's kind of a little idea. Um, Another thing is that the, the young man should have a tremendous sense of respect. I usually try to tell the boys when I give talks to them, you know, treat all women as if they were daughters of the most blessed Virgin Mary. Oh. And so when there are, there are true daughters of the blessed Virgin Mary, you're, do, you're obviously not going to be going around messing around, forcing them, uh, being disrespectful to them. And I, and I usually try to tell the kids, look, okay, things are changing with the girls because it looks like they want this type of behavior upon themselves, right? But I don't know. But in just a natural sense, especially if there's a good girl there, um, she will respect a lot more. She would actually fall deeper in love with the young man if the young man is showing signs of respect. Of And it's not just manifestations of respect because sometimes they can kind of uh, fake that in order to, <laughs> to 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 please them but a sincere genuine chivalrous respect and usually the girls uh th- thrive on that they they flourish with that type of thing in their and their commitment to the to the young man so now what about this is a, a this has been this has been a growing culture for a lot of years now we me and you are here talking about when we're talking about courting and dating, we're talking about girls and boys, but let's move to the older culture, man, where you got 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old people instead of marrying, they move in together with each other because, well, I think one of the reasons because they're just lazy, but what do you, what do you find in that arena? Well, I find they're a scandal because, uh, as Catholics, we're not on our island. We can't just do whatever we want. So even if they move in, you know, they're 85 years old, they're probably not having the marital act anyway, uh, but they just want to move in together. But you have to look at the, the, the optics of this and the church. That's why the church will forbid it, too, even though they're not having any um, wrong goings anywhere. Uh, they, they have to understand that they don't belong to themselves. They belong to the church. And that they have, they have to give the biggest and best example possible. So when when these people are like kind of living together without any commitment of sorts, um, this causes a great scandal, and that's why it's sinful. So, again, what do you think are the major differences between dating and courting? Okay. Uh, the courting, like I say, just to kind of summarize what I had just mentioned before, mm-hmm. you 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 have more of a, a family presence. You have, you know, it's kind of like bring over John in order so that the whole family can meet with him, spend time with him, <laughs> yeah. get to get get to know him. They they see the bad habits all right away. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, the mother might say, "Okay, don't, Johnny, don't uh, don't talk with your mouth open. You know, uh, while you're chewing." Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you have all this type of thing. Um, you also have better chaperoning, so they would never kind of go off and do things, uh, without being kind of under the eye of, uh, of, of adults, mm-hmm. of people who can watch out for you. Mm-hmm. And also with courting too, there's also this thing in the past where you kind of go out 
with other peers and you get a, you kind of a good, good example peers of good, other good young men and women that have moral, moral excellency. And so you kind of peer pressure each other into, into having nothing bad going on where, whereas the dating is more of just an individualistic thing. Uh, you, you don't ask permissions for anything. You just pop up and, sh- and, and share time together in private kind of without any the watchful eye on you is and there any can, another thing is there any real goal with dating i mean let's just be honest is there really any real goal with dating it's usually just selfish they just want to kind of uh just kind of get fun out of it hang out and spend time <laughs> hang, and, ha- hang out have fun and we know that leads please and and you know with one of the, i had a i had a uh an example of um there was a girl she wanted to bring and her family they were trying to start the courting thing and they were trying to get the they asked the, the boy the man had to come over he didn't show up he supposed to come over for dinner he didn't show up because she told him that everybody wanted to meet him the family and stuff come to find out in the end he never showed up <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. But that tells you a lot about what his purpose yeah. was, though. That's right. Um, I agree with you. So um, next, if if a man is having trouble in his marriage, what are some questions he should ask himself to help him evaluate his situation? Okay, well, so if, he, if he's having some situations, difficulties in his marriage, he should always ask himself, you know, um, what is it that I could be doing that I'm not doing that I should be doing? Um, most of the time it should be this, the attitudes of how much time do I dedicate to my wife? Remember she's, she's very high maintenance. Exactly. And so if there's not time input, you're really running the risk of having everything on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a big thing. Another thing is, Evaluate your conviction of how your spiritual authority is over your family, because most men would just because they seem to be less spiritual than the wives. Mm-hmm. So usually they kind of let all the spiritual uh, duties fall into her realm and her jurisdiction only. So where remember the, the phrase of St. Augustine that says that um, when talking about the man of the house, uh, he is actually the bishop of his of his of his house. That's the, the domestic church, mm-hmm. and so he is supposed to be the spiritual backbone. He's the one that has to be involved in there with the spirituality, with the teaching, the everything. Um, and most of the time, that'll be one thing he'll have to uh, to analyze as well. Uh, his sense of duty, sense of balance, not to put his work as the only thing, but not to be underworked be out there working hard um but having a balance being home for the uh, for sunday for example uh, and and all kinds of other things uh also how are how is he being involved in his children you know is he going taking his children out to fish is bringing them out to you know to other events and other things that can they could be together where he can connect with them and usually that's a big thing that really puts at ease the wife because she mm. sees that she sees that he's fully engaged, fully giving himself totally. And that puts her at a sense of ease 
uh, when it comes to bringing up the children because they where she won't be like claustrophobic that where she thinks that everything is depending on her. Sweet. So let's flip that. If a woman is having problems in her marriage, what questions should she ask herself? Yes. Um, she should be asking herself, is she, is she too hard on her husband, you know, critiquing him? Um, is she criticizing him in public? Mm. Uh, especially around male friends of the family, adult male friends. Because remember, uh, her husband is, if he's a real man, he's extremely competitive just by psychology. So he he can't be embarrassed. Um, so anyway, these are the things that she has to ask. She has to ask herself, is she giving her husband the place of the spiritual authority and and just the authority in general to her husband Um, because sometimes we have a kind of a feministic society so they tend to take on more of the role and start blocking out the husband yes which can lead to tremendous disasters let him make all the final decisions and 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 then when she <laughs> what and, now, now, father, now, that doesn't, now you know that's gonna go over bad. <laughs> well, well, you know she should actually be influencing decisions. She should always have a say so, always uh, that's speaking. That's the power. Yeah. But allowing her husband to make the final decision will always be the best for her. That's how she's gonna be successful in the long run. Now, can I ask you why she we uh, she should allow her husband to do that? Make the yeah, yeah, because Saint Paul says, "Be submissive to your husbands." <laughs> go ahead, Father. Go ahead. <laughs> but I mean, no. In all truth, this is this I know is, this is the Word of God. Uh, but it's a relationship that Saint Paul spoke about that says, uh, "Brethren, love your wives as Christ loved the church." Now you have to have that real love for your wife for her to be gelling into the submission that that God has ordained for her to do. And it makes it easier for her the more you love her like Christ does. And that means shedding every drop of his blood. Well, and then she, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. And then she, she should be the bride, you know, bride of Christ. And so, therefore, her husband is the visible manifestation of that. Well, what I was going to say is someone it, – it's just it's leadership 101. Someone is re- is ultimately responsible for the family. Someone's ultimately responsible for an organization. Someone's ultimately responsible for the church. And so God has placed men in that undesirable role, really, because <laughs> really being the one that makes the final decision is not all what it's cracked up to be as being so great. Um, right. So I like to, you know, and, and the reason I asked you why is because I like to explain to people, not just say, well, because God said it or because I said it. I want to explain to you, I wanted you to explain what you did a great job of, explain to the, to the woman and the man why it's like this. It's not because it's just men trying to dominate women. It's because yeah. it's the natural order and things will just, they, they fall into place better when it's done that way. Right. As, you're, as you know, um, men are wired differently. So the men are wired to think more, more logical, whereas the women are more intuitive and they're more giving and more altruistic, which is tremendous. I mean, that that's why God made them, because they can multitask and take care of everything at the same time. And that's because they're supposed to be rearing up children and exactly. nurturing 
she she's the hearth of the home. She's that warmth of the home. She's the heart of the home. And um, so she has those qualities. And because of that, everything can't become emotional because if everything becomes emotional, um, you're going to lose quick when it comes to uh, bringing things to their final end and their goal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why the man, that's why God wired him more logical and, and, and he has to work through like his reason more. Because he will have that awesome responsibility to kind of kind of calm down those emotions, those sentiments, those wishful thinkings and all this stuff and and actually bring the family to some sort of a goal. Uh, ah. So it won't it won't be just all determining some woman's emotions because she might be off the track real quick. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean that she's unintelligent. She could be even more intelligent than her husband. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's the way God designed it, because there's a certain. A protecting that needs to go on in order for her to reach her goals and for the family in general to reach its its goals. And it's not just physical goals, but it's also anthropological goals, spiritual goals, metaphysical goals, philosophical, theological goals. And also, too, like one thing I found is it's a balance. Like when you have too much logic, then you be, then it seems like you're uncaring. Just like when you have too when you become too emotional, it seems like you're just don't you don't have any logic about you. So right. balance I found is the key. Absolutely. Look, and there will be no great men without any great woman behind them. No. Um so, so so the men can't do it. They they have their own issues and believe me, and without a good directing woman whether it be the blessed virgin mary herself or the wife or the mother or whatever of that person behind encouraging motivating that's why that's why we that we're, we're trying to tell the women not to nag because you have to build up and you don't you don't you can't even imagine what you unleash in that man if if you build him up the great he will achieve all the things that he has to do in god's order with so much success so much beauty for the whole family once she knows how to do that once she and it, it doesn't mean that she's manipulating her husband we don't want any of that type of stuff going on mm-hmm. we just want we just want truth and beauty and justice that's how she should be building up her husband and so how are are how are women how are women contributing to the demise of masculinity yes hollywood <laughs> Uh, don't have any yeah don't have any hollywood you know have all these movies punching knocking men out all over the place which is which is just physically impossible to begin with you know her little tiny hand uh bashing a face of a huge bodybuilder man come on you know Uh, this is this is what type of stuff you you start putting pants on them they run around like like a man behaving like a man there's no lady likeness anymore no class Uh, no yeah. class. The women don't act like women anymore. They're just so casual. They don't let you open the doors for them. Um, you know, all this type of stuff contributes to just putting men down. And and I don't think the woman, even though in a short term, she'll become glorified and good. But in the long term, she's at her detriment. Um, that will lead to divorce. That will lead to everything else that you can possibly and her ch- And her children are watching her. Yeah, definitely. And that's why they've been watching for the past 60 years. So that's why we have now <laughs> generations already of, of now it's just a second skin to them all. So the other day I was in Church's Chicken, right? I love Church's Chicken. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're it's about five over six of us in line. 
everybody's going crazy because it's they're busy because the you know and people coming through the drive through I mean it's chaos in this church's chicken right so one of the ladies in the drive through one of the ladies in the drive through gets an order not quite right man this lady comes in there she walks through the door her hair's all over her head she's got clothes are scraggly looking she takes her thing and throws it her order and throws it on the counter and she goes and the lady doesn't see her at first and she goes my effing this ain't right and this ain't right and i just can't understand how this be blah 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 and i just couldn't believe even though i see that a lot i just still couldn't believe it it's still when it happens and me and this guy started talking and we said the exact same thing you said that today I said, man, there was a time where women just had so much class and they just don't even like now they don't care. They look anyway, dress anyway, and they think men are going to be attracted to that. And they're not. And it, it was sad. It was sad. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. What can women do to resist the pull of feminism and embrace church Christ and his church's true role for them? Yeah, you know, first of all, everything depends on a good family. You have to have good, faithful parents. That's a tremendous encouragement right there. Now, when you're dealing with the formation of girls and them coming up the pipeline, what's so important uh, is that they have good peers, good friends, mm -hmm. expose them to good friendships because they feed off each other. Um, now, unfortunately, I would like to say, okay, go to mass, live only for Christ, and who cares about anything else? But <laughs> since, since, since we're all so human and we, 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 we need to feed off of each other, we need to encourage each other, usually the girls, that's how she's able to find her answers. Because if it's just dad beating her over the head, so, so to speak, oh, dress well, do this, do the other thing, and she's like resisting it all, which will many times happen because she will be a little rebellious when she's kind of, you know, growing up. Right. Um, so she needs to see that in the in the girls and her friends that she admires. Uh, you know, the the girls themselves are having long dresses on. Uh, the, the girls themselves are, are having good conversations and talking about good things. And so, so there she feels a good, wholesome, holy pressure. So I can do the same thing as well. And usually they do. They do. I mean, you can be amazed how some good friend rubs off on them, you mm -hmm. know? So for single men though, what are the top three things that a single man can do to find the woman he's meant to marry and build a family with? Yes. Okay. Um, no, no need to have recourse to cologne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. All right. But right. I, he, he, here are the three things that I would say. Uh, be prayerful. Be very honest. Be very honest and, and just be yourself. Okay. But and, and the best way possible that that you know that you've been taught by your good parents. There's no need to put on airs, no need to deceive, no need to manipulate, no need to just be who you you know like those three things. Okay, great. So the last question is: Do you have any special projects or causes going on right now? Well, right now. Um, I, I do give many retreats and full weekend retreats. That's one thing I really enjoy a lot. Um, 
I, they're all based on the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius from Loyola. Okay. That I've been that I've been steeped in. I've been specialized in training and giving and doing myself. Been doing since 1989, with great fruit. You know, I've noticed that if you're in a parish, I mean, obviously we have to do parishes as priests. We have to do par- parochial work. Um, but there, I I've noticed that within a weekend retreat, you get the you get either all the women there, like a group of women, or a group of men separately. Get them there, give them the talks, give them the time to pray. They're in total silence for a whole weekend. You can do more work for their soul, put them more in contact with Christ. They learn more about Christ within those 72 hours Mm -hmm. than you could do in a parish within eight months. Wow. It's only three days? It's three days. It could be as long as you want, but most people just have, you know, two and a half days to to spare because of their busy, busy lives. Okay. So how can now how can someone contact you to do those? Well, it's it's usually um, I I don't I have a website, but I don't put my name on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, because it, since it's kind of a delicate issue, because I I just need just few bishops knocking on my door instead of tons, uh, in a ne- in a negative way. <laughs> so uh, when I give my because I put my talks on online, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I, I don't put out my name though. Uh, with my uh, with my website. Okay. Uh, uh, so usually I have flyers for these particular um, tr- uh, weekends that I do. I have a flyer and I have my name on it and I have organizers who do it. And people, we send these flyers out and then punctually, if, if wherever they're located at, they can just uh, respond to the, uh, you know, the in- contact information in the flyer. And that's how they can go. Now, if you have any specific people that you have in mind, uh, I can do that more on a personal basis um, to to see that, that they're now, plugged. Father, you disappoint me because you got. I've heard about these great retreats you have, and <laughs> I mean, how about what about if we develop a like an email or something that? Because I want to put it in the show notes where people can contact you and say, you know, we want we're thinking about doing a retreat. You oh yeah, I, oh yeah, and the email is no problem. I can, oh, okay. I can, I, can, I can give you my email. You can put that out there. Yes. What is that? Uh, let me give you my email for that. Um, it's uh, fr. Okay. And then it's uh, j a as in apple, m as in money, b as in boy, o n as in Nancy, uh-huh. l as in Larry, m as in money. A is an apple, S is in Sam, S is in Sam, at gmail.com. You know, people, that's my generic email. People can, can send me if they are interested uh, in that. You know, that's no problem. So that's, uh, you, you do women's women retreats and men retreats? Yes. Now, um, it kind of depends on what my assignments are and so forth like that. Some, sometimes, some years, there's more prolific uh, prolific. Sometimes it's less. It just depends on what my current assignments are. But uh, I do. I do forecast me doing some this next year in 2019. Okay, Father. I'm a. Hey, I'm glad because I heard those retreats are the bomb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. It's all, all guys doing. So I want to thank you for coming on today. Our little hour is up. It went quick after the first 20 minutes of us trying to set up our Skype. <laughs> Yes, but sir. Thank you very much, Father. And um, I'm going to have you on periodically so we can answer some more of these spiritual direction questions. And 
other than that, have a nice day. Have a great week. And I know you're going to retreat again next week. And and may God be with you. Yeah. Do you want me to give you a blessing of close? Oh, please do, Father. Yes. Benediction de omnipotentis patris et fidi espiritus sancti sobre vos et te manet semper. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. God bless you too, Father. Bye. Bye. So, I hope you enjoyed part two of my interview with my distinguished guest, Father Jeffrey Jambon. In conclusion, as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. Quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So, go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you fast pray and prepare for battle thank you christian soldier for listening in today remember catholic alpha radical is designed to repair ignite and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship so what's your next action step one share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email 